Alright, uh, happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Uh, take your Bibles and turn to 2 Samuel chapter 9, 2 Samuel chapter 9. We're going to start off by looking at a story in the life of King David. 2 Samuel chapter 9, and a special person here named Mephibosheth. Kind of some back history here. David, while he was, uh, while he was the shepherd and uh, he was the musician uh, that played, uh, played for King Saul, uh, and later became the, the youth, the young man that slayed the giant uh, because of his faith in God. He ended up going into the palace and becoming very close friends with the prince. Uh, he and Jonathan, David and Jonathan, had a relationship, a friendship that was uh, strong and, and pretty unique, really. Uh, Jonathan uh, even risked his life at times uh, to save David and to help him. And we find out later in David's life that he never forgot that. However, his relationship with Jonathan was kind of strained because the Lord chose to take the kingship from Saul and the house of Saul and to anoint David as king. And when he anointed David as king, God's hand was on David and it was evident in his life. And King Saul began to be jealous of him and began to hunt him and tried to, uh, to take uh, David out of the picture. But of course we know that when uh, God protects you and God has a purpose and a plan for your life, uh, there's nothing that man can do about that. And, uh, and eventually Saul and Jonathan die together in back. And David, he, he never wanted to touch uh, his hand against the Lord's anointed. He never wanted to rise up against King Saul while he was king. And he even, uh, he even mourned the death of Jonathan and Saul. We see then, though, after their death, that, that David begins to rise in power. He's, uh, he's put as king, and God's hand began to, 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 to just bless him and bless Israel as a result of it. David really brought back the majesty of God to Israel. When we remember the story when he went out and he, he had such a desire to bring the Ark of the Covenant back in so that God's people could be in fellowship with God and how David rejoiced over that. And even David's heart was to build a temple for God and all those things. After David has been uh, brought up to power, he's made Jerusalem the, the, uh, the capital of Israel. It's called the, uh, the city of David. And David is in strength, and David is in power. That's where this verse, this passage takes place. 2 Samuel chapter 9. 2 Samuel chapter 9. We'll begin reading in verse 1. And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness? For Jonathan's sake. And there was, a, a, uh, there was in the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba, who when he had uh, called him unto David, the, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, 
uh, thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son which is lame on his feet. I find this is so interesting that David here begins to seek out someone to show kindness to of the house of Saul. And one of the reasons why I find this so interesting is because in the, in the Old Testament and the stories of the kings and, and throughout history, when there was an immediate descendant of the king, um, he would be looked on as kind of the next in line for the kingship. That people would probably, uh, if anything went wrong in David's uh, kingdom, if anything went wrong in David's government, that he would be the person that everyone would turn to and begin to back to become the king. I mean, uh, this Mephibosheth would be the prince. He was the grandson of Saul. He was the son of Jonathan. But David said something here. He said he wanted to find someone of Saul's house that he could show kindness to. And he wanted to do it for Jonathan's sake. And that, that cannot make me think of anything but a great picture of God the Father. And how God the Father, He has sought those to show His kindness to. And He seeks us to show His kindness. I mean, I, I, I'm almost, I am convinced that God wants to not only uh, in heaven to come, pour out His blessing and His grace and His kindness and His love toward us, but He wants to do it now. And He wants to do it for Jesus' sake. He wants to do it for His Son's sake. In Titus chapter 3 and verse 4 through 7, the Bible says, But after the kindness and love of God our Savior toward man appeared, talking about Jesus Christ, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. It wasn't for anything that Mephibosheth done that King David was about to ready to pour out his kindness on him. It was for somebody else's sake. By the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, that being justified by His grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Wow! God wanted to show His kindness toward us. And so He sent His kindness. He sent His love. And He sent it in the form of, his, of, of Jesus Christ. God Himself came for us, to us, to show His kindness. And then when He, when he is able to give us His kindness and His grace, it's not for our sake, but it's for Christ's sake. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 7, He says that in the ages to come, He might show the exceeding riches of His grace and His kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. You say, what's, what, what does God have in store for us in the ages to come, in, in eternity future? Well, the Bible tells us a little bit about what He has in store for us, and it's all great. But I know for sure that He is going to shed uh, His riches on us. He's going to... Spend His riches on us. His exceeding riches. His exceeding kindness. And His exceeding grace. Why? Because of Jesus Christ. It, earlier in, in 2 Samuel, if you read the story, we find that the reason 
for Mephibosheth's lameness, for his, him being crippled on both his feet, is while he was in the palace, he was being taken care of by a nurse. He was five years old. And the word came that during battle, Mephibosheth's father and Mephibosheth's grandfather, the king, were killed. And the nurse, understanding what that meant, that there was going to be a power struggle, that there was going to be a fight for the kingdom, she, scared and in a hurry, takes Mephibosheth and runs with him to get out of there, and she falls, and he falls, and both his legs are crippled because of the fall. And you begin to think, well, the the prince became lame because of the fall. You begin to think of Mephibosheth's life from that moment on, how it changed. I mean, this is a definite riches to rags story. We find that Mephibosheth is found uh, in an obscure place, down at, uh, kind of down and out in Lodabar. He's no longer in the palace. He is no longer uh, taken care of. I mean, this little, this little boy's life changed in an instant. And it was because of, because of the fall now that he is crippled. That makes me think of our crippled in our lives spiritually. How we have been crippled by the fall. By the fall of man, by by sin entering into the world, by the deception and the lie of of the enemy and how that has caused all men uh, to fall into sin. And not just uh, in general, but our own falls. Our own falls have crippled us. I mean, it doesn't take long for us to look back in our own lives and there's things that, uh, the decisions that we make and places that we went and things that we did that has caused hurt in our life, has caused us uh, some pain in our lives. And those are all a result of the fall. But he's about ready to be rescued. He's about ready to be restored and his righteousness taken because, because David sent for him. There he was. Just, and I don't know how much time exactly passed. He was five years old when he was rushed out of the, out of the kingdom, when he was crippled. And when he comes back to David, he's old enough to have his own children, the Bible tells us. And so there he is. He's crippled down there in Lodabar, and the king sends for him. Look at 2 Samuel chapter 9 and verse 5. And the king sent and fetched him out of the house of Mechar, and the son of Amrel from Lodabar. David says, hey... Uh, there's someone that I can show kindness to from the house of Saul, from a, a direct son of Jonathan. Go and get him. And I believe that this is exactly how the Father works in our lives. He has sent the Holy Spirit to fetch us. He has sent, he has sent uh, Himself, the Spirit, one of the Trinity, to, to draw us unto Himself. John 6, the Bible says, No man can come to Me, Jesus said, except the Father which hath sent Me Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. Just as Abraham sent his servant to get a wife for Isaac, you remember that story? God the Father has sent the Holy Spirit to to get a wife for Christ. We are the church. Those that accept Jesus Christ uh, are, are, are baptized into the body of Christ, which is the church. And I believe the Holy Spirit is here. He's here now and He's drawing the lost. 
saying, hey, the king wants a relationship with you. The king wants you to come to his kingdom. The king wants you to step out of Lodabar and all the things that you have has crippled you here and the king would have you come to his palace. I believe the Holy Spirit is at work in our world drawing the lost. Why? So that he can, so that he can have fellowship with the king. So that he can experience the kindness and the grace and the love of God. You say, why? Why would such a king come out to, to Lodabar to seek us for Jesus Christ's sake? For Jesus Christ's sake. Wow. You can see the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit so clearly in the Gospel message. In salvation. God the Father, the Judge, He has sent His Son, Jesus Christ, which is Himself. He has sent Himself, the Son, God, as the payment for sin. To take our payment for us. And then He has sent the Holy Spirit to draw us and points to the Son. Convicts us of sin. Why? To redeem us. To restore us. Wow, the Bible says, but God commended His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. You know, it would still be amazing if God, who has all power and, and He spoke the world into existence, if you and I were perfect human beings, it would still be amazing if He loved us and He chose us. If we were perfect, if we were perfect, that would still be an amazing story. But what blows me away is there's no one, I've said this before, but no one knows everything about any of us, and it's a good thing. You know? Every thought that we've ever had, everything that we've ever done. But God does. But God does, and He still loves us. And He still sent the Holy Spirit to draw us to Himself. Why? For Jesus Christ's sake. For His sake. Wow. Just as Abraham proved his love to God, by being willing to offer up His Son. God the Father has definitely proven His love for us by offering up His Son as a payment for sin. Wow! That should just cause us to say glory to God. <laughs> you know, praise His name. That, what a wonderful Savior that the King would draw us to Himself. <laughs> the greatest story, the greatest story in the Bible is God's love toward us because of Jesus Christ. That's, that's it. God's love toward us because of Jesus Christ. That's the gospel. That's the good news. As we study the Bible, that's probably what you would come up with. Is my goodness, God created everything. And then, then the fall happened and, and sin destroyed everything. But then God made a way of redemption. He made a, a way of reconciliation. He made a way to restore fellowship with us. You say, why? Because he just said, I want to show them my kindness. I want to show them, I want to show them, I want the world to know. And I don't know why, but he wants the world to know that he's gracious and long-suffering and merciful. And he proves it in our lives. He proves it in our lives. You know, even after we've come to Christ, how we fail him and how we've, we, we stray sometimes and how we mess up. But my goodness, the, the further we, we walk with the King, the more we understand that His love is unending. I think once all of us as believers, as Christians, as children of God, as followers of Jesus Christ, realize that there's not a point that His end started and there's not a point that His end will stop. 
I don't think that we can go too far where he would say he doesn't love us. That's, he, he loves us. He loves us so much. He's willing to give himself for us. Wow. That's not to say he won't chastise us. That's not to say he won't bring us back. That's not to say he's not righteous and holy and true and that there's right and there's wrong. But his love will never, ever fail us. As a child of God. Isn't that, doesn't that bring peace? I mean, just to say, at least I know that my Father loves me no matter what. I believe it. I believe that God loves me no matter what. And that doesn't cause me to want to go and break His heart. That causes me to want to draw closer to Him. That causes me to want to spend more time in the palace with Him. Instead of going astray to that far country. Do you remember when the Holy Spirit drew you? Do you remember that? I, everyone's testimony has that, that in it somewhere, it seems, that, that there, was a, there was a tug in their heart. Sometimes you don't know how to explain it. There may have been a conviction of sin or maybe an overwhelming uh, understanding of God's love toward you. But in, deep down inside, there was a time where you didn't know God as the Father. And the Spirit was down in your heart and He was, drawn, he was pointing you to Jesus Christ. That's what the Spirit does. He points us to Christ. Why? So that we can have reconciliation. That we can have fellowship back, made back perfect with the Father. What a, what, a, what a great story. I love the Trinity and how it works together as one to bring us back to, Christ, to God. Then we see Mephibosheth's humility. That may have also been because he was fearful. When, he, when, he, when, when, when the servant came and said, hey, the king wants to see you at the palace, uh, there's been a long history of getting rid of the king's uh, descendants uh, when a new king comes to power. And Mephibosheth knew that. That's probably why he was okay laying low in Lodabar. He probably thought, the further away from King David, I know him and my dad were good friends, but things are different now. Uh, I wouldn't be accepted there. I wouldn't be welcomed there. And I, in some ways, I kind of imagine when the servant came and says, the king wants to see you, he thought, well, I survived a little while, and this is it for me. He's going he's gonna to make sure that n- no one from Saul's house could ever take his throne from him. And, and I think some folks that don't know God have that somewhat of a, a, an idea of him. I think for most part, deep down in our hearts, most people that have a conscience, they know they've sinned. And when they think about coming to God, they think, oh, he's a judge. I'm in trouble. My past, my, my family, where I came from, what I've done, what I've been doing, where I've been at, I don't fit in with God. I think a lot of folks have that idea, but they don't know God yet. Because <laughs> that's not how he is when you get there. And that's not what happened to Mephibosheth when he got there. He came, look at verse 8, and he bowed himself and said, what is thy servant that thou shouldest look upon such a dead dog as I? This is a prince saying that to King David. He said, what am I that you should look at me? You know, uh, coming into the presence of the king, you know, many times we come with that humility. And that's good. I think it's good to be humble before God and say, hey, you know, uh, I'm humble. Look at what, 1 Peter chapter 5, and verse uh, 6 says, humble yourself therefore under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. 
You know, when we humble ourselves, when we get low before God, that's usually when He rises us up, when He lifts us up, when He picks us up. He doesn't leave us down there, does He? That's not the King that we serve. When we experience the grace and mercy and kindness of God that we know we don't justly deserve, it humbles us. You know, folks are always saying that they want what they deserve. In the case of my relationship with God, I don't want what I deserve. I'm thankful for the mercy and the grace and the kindness that I've been shown. I do not ask for justice. I do not ask for justice in the presence of God. I'm thankful. I'm thankful for the mercy and the grace. Verse 13. 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 13. It says, So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was lame on both his feet. We see here that he was part of a continual feast, that he communed daily with the king at his table. In verse 11, there at the end, it says, um, As for Mephibosheth, David said, uh, said the king, He shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. King said, uh, hey Mephibosheth, when he came down there and laid himself down crippled and uh, couldn't help himself, King said, uh-uh, this is not how it's going to be. He said, uh, you're going to be as one of my sons and you're going to sit daily at my table and you're going to eat with me and you're going to commune with me and you're going to know about my business and you're going to know about the goings on in the kingdom. He restored, David restored all of Saul's wealthy man, he's a king, he restored all of Saul's land back to Mephibosheth. He gave it all back to him and said, but I don't want you to go back to that land. I want you to stay with me in the kingdom and eat daily at, at my table. We have a lot of benefits because of salvation. I mean, you talk about a benefits package. The day we humbled ourselves and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as our, uh, as our, our Savior, we, we experienced uh, benefits that are eternal and just out of this world. <laughs> uh, but one of the greatest benefits that we have is the communion that we have with the Father. The fellowship that we have with the Father. The, co- the continual uh, relationship with the King. This is, this is through prayer and fellowship. One day, one day we won't have to pray by faith. One day we'll be able to talk to Him directly, face to face. But now we fellowship with our King. We fellowship with Him. We can enter into the Holy of Holies. We can enter into the throne room boldly. Why? Because we enter in as a son, as a daughter, as a child. Not as a servant. Not as someone that's estranged. But someone that has received reconciliation and fellowship with Him. To eat continually. To eat continually of the bread of life and the living water. We have that opportunity now. We have that, you know, to seek the... The Bible says hunger and thirst after righteousness. And I believe after you become a child of God, after you become an heir with Jesus Christ, join heirs with Christ, that you have, you have the privilege at any time to go into the king's table. Just pull up. Begin to eat of that bread of life and be able to drink of that living water. Be able to get full. Be able to get full spiritually. 
that's, that's really how we're going to get filled up. That's how we're going to have that overflowing, uh, abundant Christian life is to be filled up with the food that the Father provides, with the, with the communion at the Lord's table. Can you imagine the conversations that Mephibosheth got to be part of with King David? Wow. Just the, taking the Bible and, and all the spiritual part of it aside, King David and the history of King David, the warrior king, ah, my goodness, he was awesome. You know? And to think of some of the conversations that went on around that table. And to think that we can have a fellowship and a conversation with the fathers. What a stimulating conversation to go in and have fellowship with God. To have fellowship with the Father. The things that He might just tell us over dinner. Just casually with the child, with the son. Studies have shown that it's important for families to eat together, to sit down around the table. And as a child of God, it's important that we eat together. It's important that we sit down at His table, slide our chair up, and begin to feast off of what He provides. The living Word. (laughs) The living water. And begin to feast with Him and fellowship with Him in prayer and communication. To hear. To hear what the Father says. He says, my sheep know my voice. To hear what He says and to talk with the Father. To have that relationship. You say, but I'm a cripple. I'm embarrassed to walk in there and walk up to His table and get in there. I can't even get in there. But I think of sitting around the table, no one's going to know it. If you'd walk in and didn't know Mephibosheth and walked into one of those banquets, one of those feasts, <laughs> Mephibosheth would have looked just like any one of the other kings' sons as he slid up to the table and the tablecloth covered his crippled legs. And as they sat all around the table, they all looked the same. God has a way of covering our sins, of covering our, our past and, and taking away the shame and the guilt of the past. Our sins are gone. <laughs> Our sins are gone. As, a ch- as children of God, He has chosen to remove them as far as the east is from the west. He has gotten rid of them, covered them up with His blood. When the Father looks at us, He doesn't see us for what we are. He doesn't. He sees us for what we will be because of Jesus Christ. He sees us for what we will be. Not a cripple. Not the effects of the fall. God the Father, you say, how does He love us so much? He sees His Son in us. We've been born of Him. We're His children, born into His family. Royal heirs with God. He doesn't see the effects of the fall, but He sees the effects of salvation on us. Justified. Made righteous. Made clean with God. Why? For Christ's sake. That should should excite us, shouldn't it? How God sees us. To explain the love of God would be impossible. We just have to accept it. Believe it by faith. That His love is, is unmerited, that's for sure. And that it's unmeasurable. You say, how do you know that? Because I've experienced it. I've experienced His love. I've experienced His forgiveness. I've experienced the communion with the Father. I've been able to go in, sit down at His table and feast with Him uh, despite myself. You can experience that fellowship, welcomed as a, as a beloved child of God. I've also experienced what it's like to be in Lodabar. 
And it's a big difference. <laughs> it's much better. It's much better to be uh, with the king at the palace, at the table, fellowshipping and being filled and full than down there at Lodabar, by yourself, stuck, without hope and without God. There's a story I want to uh, read to you. Uh, there's a book written about this and uh, there's plenty of YouTube videos and stuff. I'd like you to pass these pictures around to help you understand the story. This is the story of Dick Hoyt and, and Rick Hoyt, his son, who's been known as the world's strongest dad. Just look over these pictures, pass them around as I, as I read this story. <coughs> in Winchester, Massachusetts in 1940, Rick Hoyt was strangled by his umbilical cord during birth. That's the son. The lack of oxygen left him brain damaged, and he was later diagnosed as a spastic uh, quadriplegic with also a cerebral palsy. His parents were told to put him in an institution, but they chose to keep him in their home. When Rick, the son, was 11 years old, they took him to an engineering department at a local research university, and asked if there was anything to help their boy communicate. They told, they told the family, no way. His, his brain is completely, completely dead. There's nothing going on. Then the father, Dick, said to them, tell him a joke. They told him a joke, and Rick laughed. The boy laughed. So then they rigged up a computer that he was able to control by touching a switch with the side of his head. The first words that this boy typed was, Go Bruins. They had no idea that he was a sports fan before that. After that, there was a high school classmate that was paralyzed in an accident. And the school organized a charity run for him. And Rick wrote to his dad, Dick, and said, Dad, I want to do that. Dick, a self-proclaimed porker, who had never run more than a mile at a time, decided to try to push his son for five miles in this race. After the race, Rick typed, Dad, when we are running, I felt like I wasn't disabled anymore. That was motivational, motivation enough for the father, uh, for Rick, um, his love for his son made a guy who had never learned to swim and hadn't ridden a bike since he was six haul a 110-pound kid through 248 triathlons. In a triathlon, Dick would pull Rick in a boat with a bungee cord attached to a vest around his waist and to the front of the boat uh, and he would swim it. For biking, Dick would put Rick on the front of a, a, a special two-seater bicycle. And for running, Dick would push Rick in a custom-made wheelchair. In 1986, Rick, the son, was 49 years old. And they competed together in a 15-hour Ironman competition in Hawaii which they later did uh, five more of those competitions. 
You can imagine being a 25-year-old competing in this Ironman and seeing a very old man swimming by with another man in a boat passing you up. <laughs> Dick has also uh, uh, pulled, his, uh, pulled Rick in cross-country skiing. He's put him on his back doing mountain climbing. And one time he hauled him across the whole United States on a bicycle. Uh, just in 2014, they uh, uh, completed the Boston Marathon together. Dick, Dick Hoyt co-authored a book about his experience with his son, Rick, called Devoted. Uh, the, the story of a father's love for his son. When you read this, when I read that story, it's hard not to think of uh, our relationship with our father. How uh, so many times it's Him that carries us. It's Him that, that takes us along. You know, you feel like you want to serve God and, and do something for the Lord and serve Him and, and just the desire of it. You know, we can't do anything that's eternal or spiritual in and of ourselves. And the Father, He picks us up and carries us. A reporter asked Rick, the son, what he would like to do for his dad one time. And Rick said, I wish that one time I could be the one pushing my dad. I could be the one taking my dad along. But he never could. It was always the father that did it for him. Sometimes, you know, in our frailty, after we ex experience what the father has done for us, what God has done for us, Sometimes in the desire of our heart, we just want to say, I just want to bring glory to God. You know? And as you look at some of those pictures, seeing the joy on, on Rick's face as they cross those finish lines, <laughs> I'm sure that was all, all that the Father needed to be able to see the joy on His Son's face. And I know that that's how our Father is. As we bring glory to Him and as we praise Him, the joy that He gives to us that we can give back is all that He needs. That's the gospel message. It's salvation. It's a Father that loved us so much that in our frailty, in our crippledness, and in our, in our uh, uh, inability, He enables us and empowers us and blesses us and pours out His kindness on us. I want to close with this, this verse. Verses. 1 John chapter 4 and verse 16 through 19. And we, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness of the day of judgment, because he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. And we love Him because He first loved us. If you've experienced the salvation of the Father, if you've experienced the salvation of God, don't miss your privilege at the table. Don't miss it. Pull up there and just as, just as you are, He accepts you that way. And just glorify Him, fellowship with Him, uh, you know. And, and allow, desire Him to push you. Desire Him to carry you through Whatever you're going through, whatever you're facing, He'll pick you up and He'll carry you through.